Hey listeners, it's the weekend right after Crazy Rich Asians, so of course we have to pod about it, uh, and we're glad to. And to join us, we have two very special guests. First, we have Millie, who's a filmmaker, and Kuyan, who's a uh, activist and actress and also a college friend of mine. So, uh, Millie, why don't you start by introducing yourself a bit first? Hey guys, I love Plan A. I'm really happy to be here. Um, I'm a Korean. My name's Millie. I'm a Korean-American indie filmmaker in New York. I write, direct, and produce films. Uh, thanks a lot, Millie. And Kuyan, why don't you tell us a bit about yourself? Um, you already covered it, basically. Hi, everyone. My name is Kuyan. Um, I act in LA. Yeah, and I said that Kuyan and I are college friends, and we I was a I was like a senior when she was a freshman, right? And we met because we mm, we took we? a were we? yeah <laughs> we uh, or you wait know that. no you were a sophomore I think you were a sophomore. Um, gotcha, and gotcha. we took uh, we took an acting class together, which is which is a lot of fun. It was actually my favorite class, not because I was any good at acting, but it was because it was those things that you do to kind of make yourself uncomfortable, which is a good thing. But um, so so I have a, I have a story to share. Uh, it's uh, <laughs> so uh, the, the school we went to when when I was a fresh uh, when I was a senior, um, Emma Watson was a freshman. And, uh, you know, it was a big deal around campus, but I was actually very against it uh, because, uh, you know, I, I didn't want her to like bring her celebrity entourage around. I, you know, I didn't want her in her like posh accent making me feel even more like a commoner. And it was just like, you know, and like our school had a bad reputation anyway. So kind of for kind of like being a star fucker school. So it was like, you know, like, fuck Emma Watson. I don't, I don't want her here. Uh, but anyway, we were, Kuyan and I were actually doing a scene together. We were prepping for a scene. And so we were in, in like the common room at night and we were uh, rehearsing our lines. It was actually FOB by David Henry Huang. Um, nice. So we're just like doing our thing. And guess who walks <laughs> into the common room to like get cake or something from the fridge? <laughs> it was Emma Watson. And I remember I was like saying my part and I noticed she's there. And, <laughs> and, and remember, I, I, in my mind, I was like, if I ever see her, I'm just going to like walk right by her, just like treat her totally like, 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 like a freshman and, and, you know, like that. I see her, my mind goes totally blank. I forget all my lines and I, I tell Kuyan, okay, let's, uh, let's reconvene in like five minutes <laughs> uh, because it was, yeah, it was, it was like a heady moment. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was, I was face I was face palming then, and I am face palming now. <laughs> well, did she react to you guys? Did she uh, pause and no, try to observe? No, I'm your sure. Scene? I'm sure she like doesn't ever remember. Uh, yeah, ever yeah, yeah. Actually, she and a lot of folks from her crew. Um, we were in the. the I was uh, a resident counselor to uh, some some folks that she kicked it with, and so they were always around. And anytime I rehearsed in the kitchen like something like that would happen so. oh you should have warned me <laughs> <laughs> but actually um yeah when, remember when we did our like final like day of scenes and stuff she actually came actually she uh she saw my partner and me some somebody else in our class do it we see we did the scene from doxy's god which is this play about uh kind of like this um adult r-rated version of of the charlie brown characters but yeah yeah she saw me act you know so <laughs> That's one degree of separation. Yeah, no. Uh. Quien, how was your shoot? It was good. Um, I also didn't get a lot of sleep the night before my shoot. This was just like a promo video for some Korean technology. Oh. Um, but it was like me. It's so funny. Uh, as, as usual, it's like me and like a cast of white people. But I had the speaking <laughs> role. And then I oh, didn't, wow. yes. um, I, I, I didn't like, so I'm the pitch, I'm pitching the, the product and I didn't know that I would be doing it with people behind me running an entire scene. So that's not distracting at all. To, <laughs> yeah. It, it's like a, it's a, it's a hardcore pitch. It's like long and there you know wireless transmission technology <laughs> you know it's like a shakespearean other... monologue uh and yeah and i have this issue with um when when there's noises or things going on around me i can't i can't focus it's like an actual issue of mine oh, i'm the same so, way you know they throw oh. that at me 
yeah, they throw that at me. They're like, oh, yeah, so all the, you know, everybody's going to be partying on the couch. You walk in and you just give the pitch. Start to finish. Oh, Jesus. And it's what like, a nightmare. And also, <laughs> you know, I'm talking about like HDMI inputs and like, and I, I, there's the way that I learned the language. I, it's not natural for me to, to deliver the pitch in a casual way. So I do it much more like this is the technology and this is what it does. And it has 60 gigahertz wireless transmission technology, you know? So I'm doing that, but it's like nonstop. It's like boom, 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 boom. And so I like, uh, and so I, I didn't, hadn't had a lot of sleep. So then when I was doing it, um, like midway through this monologue, I kept on losing, right. you know, one piece of the jargon. Uh, and so I, you know, the, my, my white polyamorous love commune is the nickname I gave for them. Um, <laughs> they were all like just hanging out, like waiting until like having to, to party over and over until I, I nailed it. So that's how my shoot went. When, when you said you had to, like, get used to the language, I thought that they made you memorize, like, phonetic Korean. Yeah, but you mean, like, English, but in, like, tech jargon, Oh, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, Engl- it was English. It oh, was God. English. That would have been so hardcore if you had to <laughs> memorize oh, a, a monologue yeah. in phonetic Korean. I don't think I could, I don't think I could memorize uh, a, a monologue in Korean, and I speak <laughs> it. So. Well, I for couldn't. me, it would be totally phonetic. I, I would just doing the sounds. It would be impossible. <laughs> you can sound like Daniel Day Kim and Sur- uh, not Survivor, uh, Lost. <laughs> exactly. Escape from Plan A. Welcome to this week's episode of Escape from Plan A, Plan A Magazine's podcast. I'll be your host, Oxford Kondo. And as I said before, we're here joined by Millie. Hello. Quien. Hello, hello. And of course, our mainstay, Mark. How you guys doing? So this episode will be about Crazy Rich Asians, which we all saw on opening weekend because we're all very good Asian Americans. Uh, And (laughs) uh, yeah, so we're just here to talk about the movie, the, the whole things like surrounding it before and after. So, Millie, why don't you tell us about what your expectations were going into this movie and just like your general thoughts after seeing it? So for a lot of reasons, I was pretty skeptical going in to see the film uh, because there was a lot of press in advance of the movie. And that made me glad because I wanted people to come out and see it. But it was the tone of some of the press that concerned me a little bit. Um, You know, with John Chu telling people that it was a movement, not a movie. You know, I was like, dude, stop right there. It, it's arrogant <laughs> statements like that that make people hate Hollywood. You know, I yep. just kind of thought yeah. no film can possibly live up to this level of hype. Um, I really wanted the audience to be able to discover the film for themselves, you know, to love it and to be able to tell their friends about it, you know, without so much advanced fanfare. Yeah. And you are you're a filmmaker. So you're like you're like in the biz. So you felt like the pressure even more intensely, right? That's right. You know, there was a part of me that worried that if it was a flop, that that would be a negative reflection on Asian American filmmakers, um, you know, which wouldn't be fair. But that's right. the break. You were more concerned about it being a flop than being a success. Is that what you're saying? Well, I don't know about more concerned. I really wanted it to be successful, you know, but I just didn't really know what to expect. Um, I see a lot of movies, you know, s- several movies a week sometimes, um, you know, in- certainly including Hollywood films. Uh, but my film, my taste in film sort of skews indie art house, you know, so I knew that there'd be things about the film that I didn't necessarily love uh, just by virtue of the fact that it's a Hollywood film, it's a rom-com um, I didn't think that it would be necessarily subtle or nuanced, um, you know, and these things worried me as well. Okay. Mark, what did you think? Um, I think I had similar concerns. The genre is not really for me, that sort of excess wealth and concentrating on that um, sort of rubbed me the wrong way. But I also did want, to, want it to be successful, right? I was 
I was um, concerned that if it really flopped, that would have um, a much bigger impact than even if it did well. Like it doing well would be sort of the baseline. I wanted it to do well, but I wasn't that excited. I think, you know, Millie, you, you mentioned John Chu and his comment about it being a movement, not <laughs> that really rubbed me the wrong way. Right. Um, way, way, way to raise the bar, you know, in, in yeah. so high that, you know, no film can ever measure up was my thinking. Well, yeah. And I just thought it was stupid. I just thought it was a really stupid move. Yeah. And Korean, what do you think? Just as a side note, because we're mentioning the movement line, like as somebody who works with movement actors, like, sorry, wow, I can't even use these words in this context. As somebody who works with like grassroots organizers and people who are a part of social movements and political movements and around the world, Mm -hmm. it's particularly funny. (laughs) um, In terms of expectations, I mean, I try to never... Like, so I have an approach to film where I don't read anything about it, don't watch trailers. I almost, I rarely even read synopses. Um, and I don't consume, like, an, uh, I would say, like, an excessive amount of film, um, despite, you know, being in the film world. Um, and so I tried my best to take the... I try my best to take the same approach with all films, um, but as everybody has mentioned, the hype was, you know, a key part of the buildup for the film. Um, and it's very simple. Uh, there's so many films that come out all the time, and um, I know when it's a film that is likely going to resonate with me. And um, in no stretch of the imagination is Crazy Rich Asians in, like, stylistically, not even genre, because I really love films of every genre. Genre. It just depends on whether or not it's within my like stylistic, you know, um, choice. And um, there was there there was nothing about it that particularly appealed to me. Um, granted, I knew lots of people who loved the book and were really looking forward to the film, so they were a part of uh, the the folks who were hyping it up. Um, and I was excited, like. Um, many people are uh, to see that this is something that uh, was happening and it pretty much stops at that, right? Like hoping uh, very much so for uh, as much success as possible, um, you know, wholly uninterested in the film itself. Um, But was one of the biggest questions for myself was, oh, well, you know, this will probably be the first film that I've seen in years that is not something that I would have elected to go just, you know, of my own volition. Um, and that was, yeah. That was- but did you guys actually enjoy the movie? What do you think coming out of it? Oh, let's start with you, Millie. What do you think? Like- well, so with great apprehension, I went and watched it on opening day in an afternoon screening. And I was astonished. I could not believe that I was having such a visceral reaction to the film. I just... I- I oh, loved really? it. Wow. I cried so much, wow. both in response oh to gosh. what I was seeing on the screen, but I think also as part of a bigger picture sort of meta response that it seems like a lot of Asian Americans, you know, have posted about having. Um, you know, do I have issues with the film from a filmmaking standpoint? Yep, it's not perfect. Uh, do I think the film encompasses the Asian American experience in a thoughtful, nuanced way? Not really. Uh, intellectually, I have reservations, but for me personally, emotions win. On a purely emotional level, uh, the movie made me feel proud to be Asian. I felt like I was part of something bigger than myself, and it made me long for home. Uh, at the end of the day, I'll never, I'll never forget how the movie made me feel. By home, do you mean New York or Korea? I guess what I mean is family. That was the feeling that I had. I had a feeling of nostalgia. Um, I wasn't even sure, you know, I I haven't spent a ton of time in Korea, so I I hesitate to call Korea home. I was born and raised here, Um, but it definitely made me want to spend more time in Asia. So I guess that counts, right? Oh, so Millie, uh, which parts exactly made you cry? Well, it's pretty specific, actually. Um, I remember that there's a scene, it's right after they land in Singapore and they go to the food market and have this great meal. And, you know, the girls are talking about uh, the wedding and, you know, Araminta's, you know, commenting on how happy um, 
uh, Nick seems, um, you know, and then they 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 have their satay and uh, their crab, and then they um, get in a jeep, I think it is, or a convertible or something, and you know they're driving down the road with the top down, and there's music playing. I don't remember what the song was there, uh, but it was probably around then that the tears started flowing. Um, in general, I just thought the music in the film was really great. You know, I, I loved the covers. I loved the, the Elvis cover and the Coldplay cover. I immediately downloaded them after watching the movie and I've been listening to them on repeat. <laughs> um, definitely cried during the wedding. Yeah, I mean, that Jeep scene that you mentioned is interesting because, I mean, I think people would cry at, at the wedding scene, the, the mom scene and everything. But yeah, I, I get that. I mean, that, that scene was cool. I, I mean, I didn't cry. Oh, I'm too manly. I don't cry. But uh, <laughs> You never cry. Um, Oh, uh, what is it? Uh, that's actually a lie. I, I do cry, but um, <laughs> at movies, I mean. But I, I think maybe the the feeling that uh, that I felt, and I might think you might have felt too, was just um, just this total sense of ease, especially for someone like Rachel, who's lived in America all her life, and presumably has gone through a lot of feelings of exclusion, having to like change herself a lot to to fit in, internalize racism, etc. And for her to come to this place, and it just feels so welcome so relaxed and it's just having this very like scenic moment just you know driving down the highway late at night nobody's around them just like this beautiful city Uh, that that's like yeah that's what i liked about it for sure you know the feeling of getting to explore a new place you know um in, in sort of a private way um to discover a new place i mean you know these are the things that we go to the movies for you know and i i think that scene is also it's full of this feeling of freedom which is which was great Oh, wow. That's so oh, that's so lovely to hear. And I, I've been hearing so many similar experiences from people. That's so awesome. I'm like so glad. I'm so glad that that is, I would say, one of the most common threads um, and, you know, experiences happening for Asian folks uh, who who watch the film. Um, I hear a but, however. I... <laughs> Yeah, and I, that's fine. That's no, fine. I, and I like I genuinely I'm just like really like excited, like touched that this is the experience that so many folks are getting. And I'm like, whoa, I as somebody who's so easy. So as I mentioned earlier, I don't watch films um, like I watch films much more excessively in my uh, like in my younger years, like middle school, high school years. Um, and now I am just yeah I, I i i'm more reserved with how how much i consume and um and so because of that i find that i'm extremely sensitive to everything like to to things that are scary to things that are funny like things that other folks don't laugh about i end up cracking my ass you know up, up over and uh things that people uh, that people find sort of sad, I find extremely moving and sad. And so it's really easy for, to stir me, but I watched the film and I, I didn't really, yeah, I didn't really feel that much. I mean, there there were moments I cried. Um, and yeah, but I, I, didn't, I didn't have a particularly emotionally stirring experience. I think that's totally valid. Mark's generally a grump, so he was like, <laughs> he almost went into the movie, like almost determined to hate it. Um, yeah, I, almost, I, almost. no, I made a, I made a bet with him. Said, "Hey, Mark, if you, um, if you record yourself booing the movie at the end, I'll buy you. I'll buy you audibly. Yeah, you have to do it audibly so people can hear. I'll buy you a bunch of drinks if you do that. What? But I did not. I didn't do it because I'm not going to just do it to win a bet. Yeah, um, and, you, and you actually enjoyed the movie, right? Yeah. So uh, I actually, I went with my wife and her friend who's a, who's Indian, uh, Indian American. And it was her friend who really, 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 really wanted to see it. And we actually saw it um, a week ahead of time. There was an um, advanced screening of it. And um, I'm probably in the middle <laughs> of Millicent and, and Quien. There were definitely parts that I found very touching, just from a romantic comedy standpoint. Like it, I felt it was a very competent uh, and well shot and well made movie, and a good, good to great romantic comedy. The the parts of the movie uh, with Rachel and her mother, uh, especially you know with her mother describing uh, you know her background and then just the 
the whole relationship between Rachel and her mom and how it was sort of a tough upbringing or whatever, uh, that, that touched me uh, just because I'm a sucker for any sort of family talk like that in a movie. I thought the cheesy parts were appropriately cheesy. I, I wasn't like touched to the core, like I think um, some people are, like like Neely was expressing. Um, but I wasn't also just like, oh, this is crap, and I, I, I knew it would be crap. Yeah, I actually thought that it was a genuinely like very, very good romantic comedy. If I compare it to like, kind of like the golden era of, of the modern romantic comedy, like the Julia Roberts movies of the 90s and, you know, like the, like the Kate Hudson movies of the 2000s, I would put it maybe beyond anything that they made. Mm. Uh, so oh, I think yeah, it's, actually wow. just it's better than anything Kate Hudson ever made. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> uh, For real? Oh, yeah. oh, oh no, Queen's going to oh, stomp, stomp yeah. off the pod. <laughs> I... <She's... sighs> Maybe um, how to lose a man in what? Uh, what's it? Ten, ten days. Ten days. days. Ten days. Maybe that's better. But like anything else, come on. I don't know. I mean, what other Kate Hudson romantic comedies matter? Like, that's that's <laughs> uh, the one. Yeah, that's true. Everyone can only name that one. There was like a whole bunch, but they were they all seemed like the same. And that's they all blended. But I mean, just sorry. I know we're in the middle of of Oxford's you know reaction right now, but uh, like. A golden era of rom-com 10 things i hate about you i mean anyway continue uh yeah uh so where was i yeah so um there, there were some things about it that i particularly liked uh one thing that really hit me was when rachel goes arrives in singapore and she just has this like complete shocked look on her face because in the movie it's implied that she's actually never been to asia because her mom says oh rachel you've always wanted to go to asia she doesn't say oh you've always wanted to go to singapore she says Asia, so it implies that she hasn't even been back to China, where, where you know, her family's from. And then she goes back, and this is, like, incredible, uh, yeah. beautiful, fun place. And I think that's uh, a reaction that a lot of second-generation Asian-Americans yeah, have. Sure. Um, it, it was certainly me when I went back to Korea for a couple of years after college. I'd visited, you know, when I was little to visit relatives and, and things like that. But, you know, you always have this image of it as, as like a dour, like depressed, oppressive place. And you compare it to something like the Joy Luck Club in which the whole general message of that movie is like, oh, he's just this horrible place. You know, get out, get out, you know, assimilate into America. <laughs> then you watch Crazy Rich Asians like, you know, two to three decades later. And so like, no, come back to Asia. This is where it's at, people, uh, you know, abandon America. And they almost present New York City as almost like this provincial place where she's she's like her 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 knowledge of the world is limited to like, you know, the East Village or Queens. That's like how far her her knowledge of, of like geography is. So I thought that was really cool. And another thing that I was really wary of uh, going into, especially with the Henry Golden casting, was if you look at all the big names in the movie, of especially when you compare the women and the men, I constantly see these like uh, pictures or like billings where it's like starring Constance Wu, Michelle Yeoh, like Gemma Chan. And these are all like, you know, good actresses or like very glamorous, you know, beautiful, uh, talented, etc. And for the guys, it'd be like Ken Jeong, you know, Jimmy O. Yang. <laughs> and, you know, like, okay, fuck Ken Jeong, I don't like him. But Jimmy O. Yang, actually, I kind of like. Uh, but, you know, it's like, there's a kind of an obvious, um, you know, imbalance. And like, oh yeah, like Henry Golding, but you know, Henry Golding's the half white guy. Uh, so I was fearing that what what would happen in the movie is like like the Asian women would be like these you know beautiful stars, and, uh, and the Asian guys would just be clowns. But I, I was very very happy to be wrong on that. I thought uh, one of my favorite parts was actually how Nick and Colin their friendship. I thought the guy who played Colin, Chris Pang, was very good, and I actually think he should have been cast as Nick. I mean, he has like the well, I think he's Australian, but he has like the British accent, whatever. For sure. He would have been a really great full Asian choice, you know, as would Pierre Peng, <laughs> uh, the guy who played Michael. I thought he would have been good too. Yeah. I think Pierre Peng's English was a little, because uh, I think he's like native, like Singaporean or something. His English was, I think, a little, uh, st- I think he was really like, it was hard for him to speak in English, so yeah, I can see I why he would have been in on that. Right. didn't bother me. Accent. Yeah, <laughs> I thought he was great. I, I actually laughed. <laughs> I actually laughed when you know that scene where he comes out of the shower and just like his it just uh, on his torso for like five seconds because that's such like a I just thought it's funny because it's such a it's a Korean drama trope the the fan service scene where the where the male lead is like like coming out of the shower <laughs> it's just something you see so I thought it was really funny to see it in a in a mainstream American movie for sure and with him and Gemma Chan t- together it was sort of like okay we get it now. We see. But anyway, uh, the, regarding Nick and Colin's friendship, what I really liked about that was I think, I think with a lot of, especially with Asian guys, um, 
oftentimes, I think probably more so than Asian women, I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think with Asian guys, our closest friends tend to be other Asian guys just because there's like, you know, kind of like social exclusion things going on. It's not as easy for us to, you know, fit in and everything. And to, so to see that like Asian male, Asian male friendship portrayed as something really positive and, and not this kind of like, oh, too many Asians syndrome that, you know, so many of us go through. I thought that was so great to see. That's great. I did wonder what you guys were going to think about the way Asian men were portrayed in the film. I thought it was great. Okay, so here's another part I really love. So Ronnie Chang plays Edison. So Edison's a very like hyper class conscious. He's a, he's a obsessed with you uh, know, the optimal like, angle guy, right? Social. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one who like yeah. positions his yeah. kids so they get like the like the the good side. <laughs> I of their love face that actor. I thought he was awesome. So, yeah, so, but, like, in the book, like, he's, like, a, he's not a good character, and I was, like, oh, great, now they're probably just gonna put, like, Ronnie Chang, who's, you know, he's a, he's a, he's a good comedian and everything, but they're just gonna play him up for laughs, and he's just gonna be despicable, and everyone's gonna hate him, and there's a part where he, like, starts badgering Rachel about her, like, lineage. The plastic chews. Right. The audience, Which yeah. chew are you? Yeah, and the audience is supposed to hate him, and then you actually see, I think it's, like, uh, Michael saying to Nick, oh, it's like, oh, I just want to punch him in the face. So what, what that did to me was, okay, so you have this like Asian guy and he's kind of being villainized, but you also have his critics who are also Asian guys. So it's this balanced portrayal. And in that case, fine, you can have all the clans you want as long as it's balanced. And that's what we really mm. want, right? We don't want like 200% positive portrayal because that's not realistic or interesting. Uh, that's true. We want balance. And I thought that's what this movie had with respect to, to Asian guys. Uh... No, yeah, I mean, I, I think initially I, I, I react very viscerally to um, any portrayals that are like super one-sided negative. Um, but I think yeah, I, I'm slowly coming around to softening it a little bit, uh, that position, because I think Oxford, you make a good point that, uh, two good points. One, as long as it's balanced out um, by, you know, a non-clown character, and, you know, it's not realistic to have just like, perfect people like if they were all nick who's basically like perfect in this movie um then it, obviously that wouldn't be realistic either and we don't want to just you know swing all the way to the other side as well um so you know I, i'm slowly coming around to that because the michael character um i thought was sort of just gratuitous because i haven't read the books so like for him to be with um astrid who's sort of just like a she's like amazing character um, an, an amazing person and then for him to be like you make me feel so bad and all this stuff it didn't ring true to me but I guess it's a little more sophisticated in the book and maybe they'll um, get to something else I mean do you feel like it lacks a sophistication relative to say Nick and Rachel I mean obviously it is a subplot um, but it, like I, I think it's interesting you're I think it's a huge subplot. I think, it, and it was. I, I thought. I thought it was extremely rich, and I loved those two characters. And I find that relative to Nick and Rachel, who are the leads, and you would expect some like some layers. And I, I know I'm it, Millie's turn was next, but I, I felt so. I just wanted to follow up with that. Like, do you did you feel like it lacked some of that those layers relative to? um the the lead characters and their storyline well I, you know as i you know it's just because i have a reaction to having asian men portrayed as really in you know in, insecure um cheaters and like just like an asshole and i felt like they were that this subplot wasn't really i was like where is this coming from because I, I don't know the books so i'm like why are they making the husband of like to me the best female character, or like one of the more most sympathetic, uh, relatable female characters in the movie. Why are they making him out like this? Like there are so many examples of this already, and uh, so I, I that was just my immediate reaction. I, I understand when when you say like you know it's a, a sophisticated relationship, and and even if it doesn't make sense to me that like why would he feel that insecure that you know our feelings and our reactions aren't always rational. So it, I'm like, shit, I wish Nick would cheat on somebody. It would make him more interesting. <laughs> <that's> just... <laughs> see, I see it. I, I have a huge problem with that. Like just from a, from a, I feel like doing that or doing that to characters is very hacky. I think like making them do something really bad just to give them quote unquote, interesting parts to their character. To me, I, I find that to be a trope. 
so I, I don't I, like I it. Just want, I just want to interject because, I mean, I've read the books. Has anyone else here read the books? I read half of the book. Okay. Because like, <laughs> Michael in the book uh, operates as kind of like uh, the class conscious character because he comes from... Uh, like he he was a soldier. Like he came from like a working class family. He became a soldier, and he happens to have uh, struck it fairly wealthy as some kind of like tech startup guy. Although obviously never as wealthy. Uh, he could never be as wealthy as as the Leongs of which you know Astor's family. So I I, th- I think if the movie skimped on this, uh, it was guilty of skimping on it. I think it skimped on that because it, it just makes him seem jealous when I think a lot of his disgust is very re- a reasonable disgust at the, the sheer excess of these of these. I felt uh, like that came know. through. I felt uh, like that came through. Okay, well well that's that's good if it came through. Um and then and in the in the book actually he's not a real cheater. He actually has this elaborate scheme where he pretends he's cheating. He pretends he has like a love child so that I what? guess Astrid will will leave. I think if I'm remembering we'll correctly, him. it's so that Astrid will leave him, uh, and I guess uh, he won't have to make her feel guilty about her money. She'll just be able to hate him and, and get over it. And I don't think they break That's up at the job. end. That um, is like I don't know. Yeah. You know how like Harry Shum Jr. shows up at the end. Yeah, he's like on an after credits. Yeah, but his character Charlie Wu is actually Astrid's. I think they were like high school sweethearts, but for whatever reason they couldn't like stay together. He went off. I think to like England to study or whatever, and now he's uh, also become some like tech hotshot. And I thought the, the fact that Harry Shum Jr. got such high billing despite being in the movie for like two and a half seconds, and the fact that that they might have um, the way that they you know kind of like killed off Michael's character, it was this real like kind of like girl power moment in which Astrid just like totally shoots him down. So I thought, okay, this is a way of like getting rid of the Michael character, making way for Charlie, played by Harry Shum Jr. in the sequels, if there is a sequel. Uh, I haven't read the second and third books. So I don't actually know how Michael and Astrid's relationship develops, but I wouldn't be surprised if the movie plans to pair her up with, with Harry Shum Jr. And that's why they kind of made Michael a less likable character to get, to make it easier to get rid of him. I don't know. That was just my visceral reaction, and maybe it was. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, you know, I'm totally okay being wrong. It, that's just how I f- it felt to me watching it. Oh, also, I want to say when we watched the movie, Teen cried. Did he? <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'd be like, Teen no doesn't way. cry. Teen's or a am tank. I? Oh. Or am I? No, no, no one will ever know. He will never, <laughs> ever admit that. I want to move on to, um, perhaps this is a little over-talked about, but, you know, this movie's been uh, compared to Black Panther a lot. Um, some controversy has come out of that. But one thing I thought was really interesting is both Black Panther and Crazy Rich Asians, the movie is geared towards black Americans and Asian Americans. Like Black Panther was not made for African Africans. Crazy Rich Asians was not made for Asian Asians. Yet both stories take place in a land far away, which in Black Panther is is literally a, a fantasy land, like a modern day Atlantis of, you know, unimaginable technology. And the Singapore and Crazy Rich Asians is is a, is a more realistic fantasy fantasy land, but nevertheless still a fantasy land of just unimaginable wealth. And that just made me think like is it like, is it because Hollywood and thinks that a lot of audiences would not either not be interested in or wouldn't be able to handle a real like black American story or an Asian American story actually set in America? Because then you'd have to kind of bring in a lot of, you know, America's the, the societal sins against, you know, minorities. But once you take the story out of America and put it into these distant lands, then it becomes like almost allegorical and... And it becomes easier to to manage uh, your your own like guilt or whatever. What do you guys think? I think that well, there are two there are two things that I think. the The first thing that is that you know if I just if if I assess it from a personal standpoint, and I wanted to tell the the Vietnamese American story, and I wanted to tell it in a rich way, then there would be a clear linkage back to. Vietnam, the homeland. So I think there's a just kind of like a very natural, logical way in which those, you know, that that story, even if if it's a fantastical rendering of an origin story, um, or a you know, or a fantastical rendering of the homeland, um, I think that that very naturally comes up. Um, and so therefore, I don't think that. It is just a thing that's happening because Hollywood, you know. Um, however, I 
uh, do just have a general question that I haven't been able to dig into or or I guess like ask folks who may have um, some semblance of an answer to, which is that this is the second time that Crazy Rich Asians was um, being pursued to be to to be produced. Um, yeah, and so my my big question is what about this particular story is um makes it so it's so desirable that it was not pursued just once but twice and obviously came to fruition this time um you know in light of the fact that there are many you know there are many stories to tell um so i am curious about that and i've had some conversations with my best friend about it whose sister is obsessed with the book and so maybe that gives us a a look into why that may be like why this rom-com model may be such an effective one uh, one that is so good at introducing folks into the mainstream something you know something or other um, but I'm, but I myself am still very curious about that, and would like to understand the underpinnings of what is it about Crazy Rich Agents that made it such a hot, you know, sell, and one that networks, you know, sorry, that studios would want as well. well one thing I thought about the movie, I actually thought the movie was better than the book. Um, I, I was, I, and I, I, I think that my misgivings with the book is more with like Kevin Kwan's writerly style, which is. Which um which I I don't particularly like. It's, sometimes it comes off as a little like unpolished. Yeah, um, it's not especially but, literary. Yeah, I mean I'm not I'm not like trying to be a snob, but there's just like certain tics he has. Like he uses way too many um like synonyms for just like said and like right. cried or joked. He just exactly. uses too many of those tags, and it gets it's it's very annoying. I'll be a snob. But, I'm that's cool why Millie that. stopped reading the book. <laughs> actually. I agree with you. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. But I mean, but if you if you just look at what kind of story this is telling, this is a story. It's a very visual story, uh, which is all about being amazed by by what you see and what you eat and things. And it's not a very it's not a story full of a lot of like interior thoughts. So what's a novel good for as a medium? It's like getting inside the head of your characters. It's not as good for you know painting pictures unless you're like some incredibly talented writer. Versus a movie, what's a movie really good at? you know visuals like music all the sensory things what's it not particularly good at getting inside the heads of characters so i think the story in itself was naturally mm. suited to be a movie and i think john chu did a great job i feared he might fuck it up but john chu my apologies you actually did a great job uh but i, I think maybe that's one of the reasons because you don't actually as an audience you don't actually like get inside the heads of a lot of these characters instead you're bombarded with these just completely um you know the louis the sun king type of wealth and it, i think it's half you want to be there and half of it's almost like being repulsed by oh look at these gaudy asians um because uh remember when in the wedding scene in the actual time when uh, araminta walks down the aisle and they fill the, the aisle with water that's played for laughs right Wait, everybody really? in the audience was nobody laughing. in the audience laughed when i was there oh we laughed it's ridiculous Mark, did you, did your audience laugh? Because Millie, the audience, Millie. Oh yeah, like a, a bunch of times they were laughing about how just ridiculous the wealth was. Like on the boat with the bachelor party when Jimmy O Yang's character Bernard is like shooting off the flares oh, yeah. with the shoulder-mounted ba- rocket ball and launcher. Collins. It was like what party barge, right? Like, and that's clearly supposed yeah. to be funny. Um, I oh mean, yeah, I would, yeah. I would say one of my you know gripes with the film would be that there were places where. Uh, you know, things we were supposed to feel like, uh, okay, let me take this back. So, you know, um, there were times where as I was watching the movie, I was kind of talking to the director in my head, you know, like, John, (laughs) uh, your characters, these characters are supposed to be some of the richest people in Asia. Why is their kitchen so cramped? (laughs) (laughs) You know, why does this wedding look like a Lunesta commercial? I mean, there were times where... It did, it did. (laughs) I kind of felt like I wasn't... There was a line between gaudiness and wealth that wasn't very well negotiated, if that makes sense. Um, Uh And I think a lot of that has to do with filmmaking choices, actually, and budget. Um, you know, just production design and, you know, how they decided to represent things visually. So this was actually one of my minor issues with the film. You know, I, I didn't think, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I didn't think they seemed rich enough. Okay. You know, okay. as, <laughs> I know, uh, it's just that, you know, as as viewers, we're accustomed to this 
sort of visual, this pretty high standard of visual opulence. Mm. And I didn't think that Crazy Rich Asians always nailed it on the head. Y'all should have been richer. Uh, I, I did I did enjoy the hot pink R8 that uh, Alcafina's character was driving. That was a really nice car. <laughs> yeah, actually, Millie, to support your point, when I first saw, I guess, uh, Nick's grandmother's house, I was like, this is, this is a pretty nice house. That's like a compound. That's, uh, like, that's exactly also, what I felt as well. You know, I mean, my understanding is that they, that's a lot. that location. Oh, sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Uh, so that house, I think, is a mansion, is a pretty well-known tourist attraction in Malaysia. Um, and, you know, I, that's, I, get, I take it that's one of the reasons they decided to shoot there. Um, but, you know, I mean, if you compare it to something, I'm just going to take a random example, you know, like the, the, the estate in Downton Abbey, you know, it just didn't, it didn't have the same sort of grandeur for me from a visual standpoint. And, and now that you bring that up, uh, I'm thinking, well, firstly, I didn't think this, but, but I'm glad you brought it up. Um, but maybe they could have, um, you know, uh, sacrificed uh, having the one and only portrayal of ethnic minorities in the film um, and rather than having, you know, them be guards to the gate and stirring fear in the hearts of these Chinese Americans, maybe they could have just opted for grander opulence uh, rather than that. You know, now that you bring that up, I'm like, well, they could have just made everything way wealthier, way crazier, way more opulent, and then not included the one moment where brown skinned folks appear being the moment where they're freaking the shit out of Aquafina, you know, and, and Casas Wu's characters. Yeah, that moment yeah. really rubbed me the wrong way for sure. They reminded me of like the bad guys from from this like '90s movie that I'm kind of obsessed with, the the Jungle Book. Remember the yep, the yep, yep, live yep, action yep. One? yeah, yeah. Oh my god! And like you know the, the, the evil guys in the tur- turbans trying to kill Mowgli. Um, yeah, Kuyan, that's a really that's a really messed up movie, right? Just how violent and dark it was. Uh, Is that the one with Jason Scott Lee? We talked about it in a pod before because I'm a li- I'm I'm just a little obsessed with that movie. But yeah, it, like that was. Yeah, I you know people were laughing at that. But I was like, oh, you know what? Like these like brown brown bearded men like scaring people is you know, not not a not a good look. <laughs> no, yeah, that was a weird I didn't part. think it was necessary, and I didn't think it was funny. Uh, I think the book does a better describe does a better job of describing you know how important their role is you know sure. in reality, uh, but for some reason they didn't portray it that way in the film at all. Yeah, it was a it was a non sequitur. It was just like what. Uh, it just didn't make any sense uh, to me. But it's so funny, Millie, to hear you say that it like the, that the film didn't portray <laughs> the crazy rich Asians as crazy rich enough. Like that just maybe maybe I'm just uh, not <laughs> I haven't rubbed rubbed elbows with enough really rich people. But uh, well, hey, neither neither have I. It's just that, you know, <laughs> we've all seen I don't know Merchant Ivory films. You know, our, our standards, our visual standards in this regard are sort of high. And, you know, I will say to their credit that, I mean, the production budget for this movie listed online is $30 million. Yeah, they, um, they really stretched that. It looks great. If that's accurate, um, that's not a big budget for, for, you know, considering what they were trying to do in the film. So I think they did a good job. You know, some of the locations look better than others. Um, I didn't love the house in particular. That was the one that I had the most issue with. But... <laughs> Um. It was her grandma's house, all right? It was his grandma's house. She. <laughs> it wasn't his mom's house. Yo, this is, this is a trope that every movie character has to learn. Never, ever trust the, the hip grandma. Because she's always yes. evil. Yes. This happened to Gossip Girl, okay? Uh, Dan thought uh, Serena's uh, grandmother was, was like this cool, hip chick. Turns out she's like the biggest snob of them all, so... Um, not, not you know. I, I read legacy, that. Okay, man. I don't. I don't watch Gossip Girl. Okay, but I read that somewhere. Anyway, <laughs> yes. Um, not that you would. Never. <laughs> never. So it's like, he's too uh, highbrow. He, uh, <laughs> he he's criticizing uh, you know Kevin Kwan's uh, writing style. Of course, he would never never watch. No. Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, okay. So bringing in you know stupid Twitter drama. So one thing that's been kind of criticized online has been Aquafina's supposed uh, appropriation of uh, AAVE, um, which is African American vernacular English for people who don't know. Yeah. Um, 
And I honestly thought that she, you know, she had like a few lines that sounded like something you might hear uh, on like black Twitter or something. But honestly, I thought that she was, she was fine. And, you know, and then like, you know, Mark, you're no fan of Aquafina, but you came away actually liking her. So, you know, that says it all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I am not a fan of her. I, I feel like she's just very silly and I get annoyed with how like Hollywood's trying to elevate her beyond, beyond her talent. But her character was great. I, I felt like she was... She was trying to help her friend. She was, she was funny, but not in like a way that rang false for me. Um, like she was, her character was consistent. So it wasn't like these spikes of silliness that you're like, well, she's not like that. It's like, no, her character's silly and she acted silly like the whole time. So I liked her. I liked her character. And I didn't feel like the uh, AAVE or whatever was a problem. She sounds like so many people. Yeah, I mean, like Sam, who who potted with us uh, recently. I mean, she grew up in kind of like Chinatown and went to schools that had a lot of like black and Latino kids, and she like kind of talks like that too. And and she she's told me like th- this is just how I grew up, and you know there are a lot of other Asians like me, and yeah, and so forth. But anyway, I just bring it up because it was this really funny Twitter drama. Because so um, there's this there's this guy named Hermit Horang. He's 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 like one of these like like grifters uh, online who you know does like, does like this like activism stuff um anyway he, i think he was like talking shit about aquafina and the dumbfounded the the korean american rapper who i think is very good friends with aquafina just came in and started this like twitter beef and it was just so weird because if you're ever just like observant of just like asian twitter like you're you just to see these two entities going or it wasn't even going at each other dumbfounded was just like shitting on on hermit challenged him to come on his pod after which, like, Hermit just, like, closed his account to everybody. But, you know, this is just, like, stupid drama to happen. I thought it was really funny just to just to watch it, how, like, Crazy Rich Asians is just, like, you know, getting all every, everybody crazy. Yeah, it was funny. <laughs> <laughs> I just, actually, this is not the first time that... Well, they, they didn't bring up... Um, her vernacular appropriation or some some folks were saying it was minstrels like playing back black minstrelsy i'm like okay whatever people will say what they say but this isn't the first time that i've heard um a critique of aquafina um in conversation um around you know around the film and somebody had just mentioned it to me yesterday and my first reaction was aquafina that's what you're she because my friend was like oh yeah i really enjoyed the film um however you know and she was just like i like this 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 the only thing i really take issue is uh, is was uh, aquafina's character and that was my reaction like aquafina's character is what you took issue with right, of, of all, all the, the fucking shit right. <laughs> like um <laughs> I, I what about this like crazy yeah you know, instead of the rather you know, objectively speaking like crass glorification of, of well, uh, you know yeah. you know this oppress oppressive like uh, modern day aristocracy no 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 but that's yeah. but that's also like that's the book itself you know like to make the movie you're already doing that so i just feel like that and that's why a lot a lot uh, a big part of the critique leading up to the film was that you know there is an erasure of um of ethnic minorities and singaporeans and that this is a glorification of the china the the you know the chi- they call it like the chinese one percent in singapore there's like all this critique but it's like okay if they were green lighting this uh, this film not 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 just once, but twice, then that's obviously the direction that folks were already going in. Um, so that, like, I accept. And so I'm actually saying there are a ton of issues in the film that I think far outweigh Aquafina's, whatever you may have to pick yes. with Aquafina's yes, character. For sure. um, yeah, and, and I find sorry sorry i don't know if you y'all wanted to stick with with that um kind of um you know stay on that but you know my biggest thing and the reason why i think oxford even asked me to to chat on this um to begin with is i had mentioned like oh imagine if uh the first um the first mainstream hyper mainstream asian film featuring an all asian cast had a uh a a male lead who looked Asian. And I know that this is something that we, you know, has been mentioned already previously. Um, But, you know, I, I walk, I had that thought prior to watching the film and I, 
honestly, when y'all were uh, a lot of uh, like you all were saying that you had some expectations or you were apprehensive or you were skeptical. To be honest, like I wasn't. I didn't have any feelings. I, uh, I and that's why I had set up. That's why I set up it up as I don't really have expectations of films prior to going in. The only thing is that I sense that it's not my vibe, right? It's not like the type of film that I would go on my own volition. That's it. But I didn't. I wasn't apprehensive or skeptical or like didn't want or like you know just like had a negative concept of it prior to going in um but all i hoped was that i would watch the film and would maybe feel slightly differently about the uh henry golding's character and the lead male being uh white passing uh i wish that were the case i walked out and did not feel any differently um and i just feel like that is such a gargantuan thing relative to any issue you may take with aquafina's character or, or you know anything like that yeah, and it's. I mean, we uh, we parted about this in uh, we we uh, uh, before, but yeah, it's like like if it, let's say uh, the, let's say Black Panther, let's say uh, T'Challa was played by a light skin. No, it would have to. Or, sorry, it would uh, be Lupita Nyong'o being played by Zoe Kravitz. Yeah, true, true. Yeah, that that's the more apt uh, comparison. It would be totally legitimized. Remember when Zoe Saldana was gonna play? I don't know if that movie. Actually uh, Nina made, Simone. Gonna... Zoe Saldana was like slated to play Nina Simone. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Nina, Nina Simone, and there was like an uproar, and it was treated as totally legitimate, which it is. But with Asian Americans, it's it's just. I mean, I, I think you got too many competing interests. There are like certain Asian Americans who do aspire to a kind of like they want like the future of Asian America to actually be kind of half white. And I think those people have too much power so they can silence anybody who, who makes them feel uncomfortable and questions this. But I mean, like Henry Golding, I mean, I, I asked myself, is like Henry Golding any less Asian looking to someone like Russell Wong back in like the Joy Luck Club? And you know what? I mean, like there are like angles in which Henry Golding looked pretty Asian. Other times it's pretty like jarring. Cause like someone like, like um, Chris Pang is obviously full Asian um and and the other guys are obviously full asian then you got this guy who like uh, you know he, he could maybe be like filipino or something it's interesting that uh qian you that you you said uh, i think you said that he was white passing uh and to me he's not white passing at all like i look at him and i know that he's not fully asian but i know he's yeah asian. sorry i think uh, um i, I yeah you're you're right i i hadn't i haven't previously described him as that um and i think that that is accurate no i'm not trying to no like, no 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 i no i'm saying whatever, that i'm, I'm just, just i'm just clarifying that i have not described him as that in the past and uh, you know at, now that you bring it up it you are right he it does not look full white so therefore not white passing but obviously half white but yeah, but it's still, you know, it is still an issue for, you know, for a lot of reasons I think we've talked about in terms of uh, who's acceptable. And I think, um, you know, our, 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 uh, our editor team brings up a good point as well, just from our ch- uh, talking that it's not just that, uh, you know, he's half white. So there's that aspect, but it's like, what, which non-Asians would be acceptable to play an, an Asian character? Well, I think, I think it's like a greater point was like, okay, if, if a character has to be mixed, they will not accept any other mix except for half white. Mm. Uh, they, will, they will not take like a half, half Malaysian, half black guy. Because then that just, that's not acceptable. Wow. And yeah, that I, just didn't think fits about, in, I didn't think about that at all. Yeah. And, and that just like fits into the whole like Asian mindset in which if you can't do Asian, then like white is always second best. Or sometimes if it's not already like first best. Um, I, I, I agree that it's problematic. You know, I see that there is an underlying racism, you know, that that could be argued for in that casting. Um, you know, I guess as a director, though, you know, I, I do think that Henry did a good job in the role. Sure, he wasn't. Yeah, he wasn't well, yeah I think, role, yeah. Anyone, you know, yeah. for me, it's I mean, yeah, like, obviously, he's a good looking guy. But I, for me, it wasn't about his face. It was really about his voice. That guy has a hot voice it, that was his some job people, announcer before it, being an actor exactly uh you know some people like to listen to the ocean i could listen to henry golding <laughs> read from the phone book all day uh, so but, but let me ask you this if he had like a malaysian accent would he be as hot i don't really know what a malaysian accent sounds like i don't think it would bother me but um i think it is like the britishness of his accent it's, it's that very like posh british accent certainly 
certainly helps. But I think maybe she's talking a little bit more about like his timbre and like is the tone of his. Oh voice. yeah, yeah, that's 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 true yeah. too. I mean, there were many people with accents in the films. I don't think they. I am making an assumption here, but I figure that they don't stir <laughs> you as much as Henry Golding's voice. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm glad that you brought, uh, um, you brought up the point about you know if he were half black, would it be, um, would it still be as acceptable? Because I didn't think about it in that light. But you know, my own, my major critique here is very is simply that, um, you know, the the first time we get like this we get this historic moment um in hollywood and of course um it fits very neatly into the white european beauty you know the normative beauty standards um that we have a history of of you know falling victim to um and so i i just two things that i want to say on that is one um to clarify the fact that literally nobody is denying the Asianness of the actors who are half white in this film. And I just, I think that that is a point that needs to be made because for some reason, every, like, that's the first thing everyone jumps to. Like, are you saying Henry Golding's not Asian? It's like, no, that's not what I'm yeah, saying I mean, it's, at it's, uh, all. Like, not, it's, it's not even close to that, what I'm saying. I'm saying that the fact that Henry Golding looks like very white, maybe not full white, but looks very white and falls into all of the, fantasies of what you know white leading dudes look like is um plays a huge role in the fact that he is um you know it, it doesn't I, I i don't know right at the end of the day like they say that they were searching far and wide for the nick character and couldn't find anybody and then henry golding walks in and it's like oh my god like we found the one um <laughs> so like that's the story that the the you know casting or the um john chu and kevin kwan um had said um, but I just think that that is the right. Yeah, I just think too. that that is. But I do think that um, that that fact, um, the fact remains. And I find that it is unfortunate. And it's just something that like it's not going to make me not support the film. But I don't see why it shouldn't be something that's extremely present in our like consumption of the film. And then also just like review of the film as well. Yeah, what what really gets me, uh, and just about media rep in general, is is the sheer hypocrisy sometimes. Like I was in this chat room like many months ago, and as soon as this casting was announced, I was really pissed off because I I really thought that I would get to see like a like a full like yellow Asian guy um, up there with you know Constance Wu, and I thought that would be a great image. But then we get Henry Golding uh, and etc. And then I got and in this chat room I was with, it, the, the people in it were kind of like very standard mainstream liberal um, media rep type of Asian Americans. And I, I got totally ganged up on. They called me like, so like, like basically a race purist and all that. And I was trying to say, no, this is a very basic colorism issue that the black community talks about, the, uh, the Latino, Latino community talks about, etc. Uh, but then there was this one woman who kept attacking me. She's, she was South Asian. And uh, she's like, you're, you're trying to deny him as Asianist, whatever. And guess what? Just a few days later, I think either she found out or they announced the casting for the Aladdin movie. And in that movie, Jasmine is played by this uh, English actress named Naomi Scott, who's half Indian. And she got upset about that because she's like, oh, they cast another like light skinned, uh, half white girl, like brown girls can't get any love here. I'm just like, oh, my well, God. well, it well. Just, and it's that just. It's like, I only want my group to succeed. Uh, everyone else, I don't care. Um, it's, it's, that's what pisses me off about a lot of this media rep stuff. It's just so just it's just so self-interested sometimes like they don't oh, see yeah, absolutely. the big picture. that's interesting i mean i just feel like i would have that's why i brought like if lupita nyango was played by zoe kravitz that would be some bullshit and it would be some and it would be some bullshit yeah, be totally yeah, bullshit. yeah and so so i mean i just i just think it's so easy to to notice the bullshit across the board regardless of the film regardless of the ethnicity Right. I mean, I guess from a bigger picture standpoint, it's a good thing that the mirror that the movie is holding up a mirror to what exists in society, you know, and that we can start talking about these things, um, you know, using the movie. Yeah, as a I guess that's reference. why I am. I brought it up in the context that we were talking about Aquafina, because I'm like, 
and it has been a few days and now I have now heard like a hand over a handful of critiques of Aquafina and yet not a like the only thing that I've heard mentioned regarding um you know Henry Golding is uh this art this piece that was written that says uh I call bullshit on the Henry Golding like mixed race controversy or something or other basically somebody saying like Mm -hmm. don't deny you know his and her I forget Mizuno's um uh Asian-ness it's like Again, nobody's doing that. Yeah, I mean, we all know there are certain allowed topics and forbidden topics, and that just happens to be a forbidden topic. So, I mean, that's what that's what like Plan A why we started because we were just sick of all this bullshit of just complete arbitrary, self interested silencing of certain issues um, and promotion of other ones. It was like a fuck that. <laughs> for sure, you guys need to be commended for that. Um, but I was just going to say that I saw an, a, an interview with Henry Golding mm-hmm. and uh, the interviewer was asking him, you know, what he thought about the controversy. And he said that it didn't surprise him that he was used to it, um, you know, that pretty much his entire career, people have been accusing him of not being white enough and not being Asian enough. And I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, yeah, no, I commend him for his awareness of it and his willingness to sort of tackle it head on and um I, yeah no yeah no it, and and I, I think it also helps that personally he feels very strongly and identifies and says that he's asian and he doesn't try to run from it i think if in the controversy he was then like oh i've never identified as asian um that would just have made it a lot worse but i think he genuinely uh, identifies as Asian. He also spent a lot of time in in Asia, and he must have. And they're just so blatant about it. They're like Asians are just, like Asian Americans have learned to you know use very like politically correct language to mask like internalized racism and like white aspiration. But people in Asia will just straight up, yeah, like white's better. I want to look white. <laughs> so I'm sure that he is so much closer to that <laughs> right. uh, as opposed to here. Yeah. Well, I was gonna, like, I mean, and then a big thing, and I um one of my closest friends and like uh, co-creators um she uh, she you know she's in the academic world so she always says that in general in media in life like we need to be uh we need to be stronger at critique um and i just you know i just want to say like i I think it's so important for us to be able to just talk about this and have this not be about henry golding or i forget her full name but the the other half white character um Oh, Sonoya Sono Mizuno played Araminta. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, so I, I think that it's, a, you know, uh, when I bring this up, like, n- there's not even an ounce in, inside of me that um, feels any type of way about Henry Golding. I only have, and I, I, like, as an actor, like, I only have the most utmost respect for him, uh, you know, as a person and, and professionally. And so it's just like, we, we need to be able to hold all of these, you know, all of these things um, together like there's this person yeah, who's going to yeah. act and there's this issue that there's a history of misrepresentation there's white European normative beauty set we need to be able to hold all of these things to be true and I think it is one of the most important in my opinion it is one of the biggest things um, to walk away from this moment um, you know this historic moment in in Hollywood um, and hold as we move forward and we start to see a lot more projects being greenlit so to wrap it up, uh, Millie and uh, Kuyan, you want to just you know talk about any websites you have, any projects you have going on, so, so our listeners can check them out. So uh, Millie, why don't we start with you? Oh gosh, <laughs> uh, way to put me on the spot. Wait, didn't you win some award, like some IMDb award recently? Uh, I did. Yay! This week, uh, I got some good news about my short film Ma, which got into a festival called the Independent Shorts Awards in LA. Uh, there's going to be a screening in L- in LA in February, and we got a whole slew of awards. It's kind of uh, weird, to be honest. <laughs> uh, I'm starting Congratulations! To be a I mean, that's skeptical, skeptical about the, about you know how this festival is run. It feels a little bit like an awards factory, um, but it's called Ma. It's a short. Um, it was my grad thesis project at NYU. And uh, it's about a middle-aged woman who picks up a much younger man at the mall. Um, so it's, you know, going around festivals now. And I've been pretty pleased with the response. Yeah, yeah we'll, um, we'll, we'll put the link to it in the, the podcast description. Well, I don't know about that. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. Well, we can cut that part out if, if you don't want <laughs> okay. that. Uh, cool. 
Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, maybe later, later, you know, when I, I, w- I would allow that if it wasn't, uh, if we, if I wasn't done with, fest- if I was done with festivals, but I'm okay. not quite yet. Right, that's but thank you, Oxford. I appreciate it. Okay. Um, and, uh, anything else? Yes. Um, I'm writing a script for an Asian American horror film. Um, it's, I don't, it's not so much a straight up horror film. It's more of a drama with horrific elements. Um, you know, right in the thick of that right now, it's pretty challenging. Wish me luck. I'm also writing on a short to submit to the HBO APA Visionaries competition. Oh, cool. Um, This is a short film competition for Asian American filmmakers. So all of you guys out there who are filmmakers, you should definitely check it out. The deadline's in November. All right. Thanks a lot, Millie. Uh, What about you, Quian? What's going on? Uh, So I have a podcast that um, amplifies broadcast stories from and about Vietnam. Um, It's called LOA, L-O-A. And so you can go to www.loa.fm if you have any interest in stories from and about Vietnam, everything from history, culture, politics, current events. Um. Great. Um, Well, thank you guys so much for being on this. It was a lot of fun. And you guys should come back anytime. Um, Yeah, so pleasure, pleasure talking to you. Great talking to you guys. Thank you so much. Bye. Hi, thank you for listening to this episode of Escape from Plan A about crazy rich Asians. Looks like it's headed for a great box office weekend. So good job, everyone who, who went out to see it, even if we had certain misgivings, uh, etc. Um, if you like us, please um, subscribe to us on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play. And we love doing this. Uh, you know, we don't ask for anything except for you guys to listen. But if you could rate us and even write reviews, that really helps us in whatever... Uh, mysterious algorithm they have and we also have articles you can read on planamag.com so please visit us there there'll be a lot of articles coming out soon uh, especially with things like crazy rich asians out so until next week see ya everybody Chinfang